Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. Happy New Year and all that. 2024. New Year, new you, maybe. Or maybe if you're like me, it's New Year, more beer. I tried to do dry January, lasted all of about six days, uh, gave it a good shot, but on the 6th of January I ended up going to a Thin Lizzy tribute band in town, Dublin city centre. Fibber McGee's for those who are interested. My old pal Mick Wall put up a post about dry January recently and this was it. Reasons I'm not doing dry January. 1. Don't want to. 2. Like wine and don't want to appear disloyal. 3. January already a miserable fucking bastard. Four, just not going to do it, okay? Five, fuck off. Yeah, I can kind of relate to that now. I did think I was going to go through with it, but then after that dark, cold fucking start of the month that's still ongoing, it was just, frankly, too miserable, as Mick's post said, to continue. Anyway, yeah, got to see a good Tin Lizzy tribute band, went out with a few friends, and then it was all downhill from there. But sure, fuck it. You only live once. Although I must say, during that short period of time, and actually since then a few times as well, I did have a few Guinness 0.0, and I have to say, as a non-alcoholic beer, it is the nicest one I've ever tasted. Previously, I had had one pint of it before in a pub, and it was pretty good, Um, it tasted quite like Guinness, but at home, when you want to have a can and you're not drinking alcohol, Guinness 0.0 is a good substitute. This podcast is not sponsored by Guinness Zero Zero, just in case you were wondering, but I do feel it's uh, worthwhile mentioning it, maybe to other people who are attempting to do Dry January. And I actually uh, was on a Zoom call there recently, and I knew I was going to be drinking quite a bit, and I mixed in a few Guinness Zero Zeros with normal Guinness, and it was hardly noticeable, but it was noticeable afterwards that I wasn't shit-faced and falling asleep in my chair, so there you go. That's kind of my plan now this year for Keep It True in Germany in April. I'm going to mix in quite a few Rattlers with my regular beers to try and pace myself so that I don't end up falling asleep in the bleachers, as you'll hear about in this episode, and I think I mentioned it before as well. Uh, Rattlers, for those who aren't aware, are like what we call in Ireland or the UK a shandy. It's basically half white lemonade, half beer, or half Sprite, half beer. In Ireland, we call that white lemonade. Uh, yeah, so um going to mix in a few Rattlers for Keep It True and try and keep standing at Keep It True. If I succeed in doing that, it'll be a turn up for the books. This episode is a reflection on 2023. I'll be speaking to my good friend George Solano. You'll recognise him from the Judas Priest cast, which is now his former podcast. But he's also got an upcoming podcast called Metal Planet. Uh, hasn't launched yet as I speak on the 17th of January, but he will be announcing that on Twitter when it's available. His Twitter handle is at RiskyGeorgeness if you want to go and find him there for all the updates on Metal Planet. But yes, on this episode I'll be chatting to George about our reflections on 2023. Obviously throughout the year we did a number of episodes where we looked at releases that uh, were were released in 2023. So uh, this is a recap of 2023 and we talk about concerts we went to, festivals, things like that. And we also look at releases from 2023 but we try to avoid ones we've already spoken about so it's not necessarily a best of 2023 countdown but it is a look at some of our favorite releases from 2023 that we haven't already mentioned on previous episodes we've done together before that though i just want to mention the passing of tony clarkin so tony clarkin was one of the members of the band magnum that have been gone since 1972 and he died on the 7th of january so in the band magnum he was one of two constant members along with singer bob catley 
they have been releasing albums, as I said, since 1972, in the genre kind of, you call AOR or arena rock, or some people say pump rock, which is basically hard rock with a very melodic slant to it. So you can imagine hearing it on the radio back when they played that type of stuff on the radio, of course, in the vein of Journey, Styx, Boston, Toto, that type of thing. It was more a US thing, I think, really, than a UK thing. Um, But Magnum were one of the bands in the UK that adopted that style and were very successful at it for a period of time. And they basically never stopped releasing albums. So they're always a band that were on my radar or just on the periphery of my radar, let's say. I used to be an avid reader of Classic Rock magazine in the 2000s. I was a subscriber at one point as well. But even before that and afterwards, I, I did buy the magazine quite regularly. And after a certain period of time, they started releasing a free CD with the magazine. Now, in the beginning, this was kind of a one-off. Oh, you're going to get a free CD. 15 tracks that you must hear. You know, they'd often be for upcoming albums or reissues, things like that. And then it became a monthly thing. You were always getting the free CD with Classic Rock. And I remember uh, early on, one of the free CDs on Classic Rock had this song called Brand New Morning. And this would have been around 2004. And it turned out it was from the Magnum album, Brand New Morning, the album of the same name. And I used to play that song over and over again. I didn't really pay too much attention to the artists on these free CDs at the time. I just used to kind of pick the tracks that I liked and I might put them on my iPod or before that actually Creative Zen MP3 player and I'd play them and kind of, you know, the ones that I thought were worth um, putting on my limited 20 gigabyte space Creative Zen MP3 player. But that was one that I played over and over again at the time and later on then I remember they had um, a free CD with the song Just Like an Arrow on it. So that was on the Magnum album on a Storyteller's Night, one of their most popular albums, uh, probably one of their most successful as well. That was released in 1985. And again, Just Like an Arrow became a song that I had on repeat constantly. And after a while, I kind of started realizing who Magnum were, and they'd often be featured in classic rock, whether it was articles that were, you know, going back to a period of time following them on tour in the 80s or something like that. And a journalist who'd been with them at the time might write a lengthy piece about the band, or it could be a live gig review. They always reviewed their albums they were always favorably reviewed at the time as well and um, but yeah magnum was a band that had constant releases every couple of years right up until the present day they were always releasing albums as i said they were always on my radar or on the periphery of my radar and i really liked their sound i think bob catley is a fantastic singer but tony clarkin was the songwriter in magnum so bob catley does not get any writing credits on magnum albums it's all songs written by tony clarkin and one wonders you know what they'll do now, um, seeing as Tony Clark and his diet, they were a touring band, they were constantly gigging, they were constantly releasing albums, and now the main songwriter, or the songwriter, has passed away, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, very sad to hear that news about Tony. Uh, over the years, as I said, I mentioned classic rock, but I'd always give their singles a go. I'd always kind of have a peek at their new album on Spotify, sometimes listen to it all, sometimes just listen to the singles that were released in advance. But I think they're definitely a band that warrants a deep dive. And it's a shame sometimes that we only really start properly focusing on a band when a key member dies or the band calls it quits. But unfortunately, with the massive amount of music available to us all sometimes that's the way it is it it takes a catastrophic event to actually look back and go shit you know i've missed quite a lot here that i would really enjoy so i think i might be doing that and just doing a quick bit of research on magnum i found out that bob catley actually has several solo albums as well himself so there was a period of time when magnum split up 
and Bob Catley went and kind of started having a solo career in the 90s and he released several albums but when they got back together after a few years he continued his solo career as well so I think it'll definitely be worth a deep dive into Magnum anyway here's to Tony Clarkin I'm going to play a clip of that song Brand New Morning which means something to me because it was something that I listened to quite a lot about 20 years ago so here's the title track from the album of the same name Brand New Morning and yeah here's to you Tony Alright, so that was the Magnum song Brand New Morning from the album of the same name released in 2004. I just wanted to acknowledge the death of Tony Clarkin there and acknowledge the enormous discography of Magnum and their place in the history of heavy rock music. Now, as I said at the start, this episode focuses on 2023, a look back with my good friend George Solano. So on this installment, and there will be further installments to come, we're looking back at gigs and festivals that we went to in 2023 and gigs and stuff that we're looking forward to in 2024 as well. So I hope you enjoy it, and here we go. This is my chat I had with George back on Saturday, the 13th of January. All right, so I'm here with my good friend George. He's back. We did several episodes in 2023, which had the team of three from 23. And this episode is going to be a wrap up of all of the musical happenings from 2023, including gigs, festivals, albums released, etc. And with an eye on 2024 as well. So welcome again to Feckin' Metal, George. How are you? I'm doing awesome, Fergal. I'm honored that you asked me to come on and co-pilot an episode to wrap up 2023. I think that this is my fourth appearance on Feckin'. Well, I'm excited to talk about all the good stuff that happened last year. Yeah, I, I think it is your fourth appearance, all right. And I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about 2023 with than you, because we've been talking throughout the year, of course, about various different releases from the year. So it seems appropriate, seems apt to finish off the year with you. And we're going to cover things like music releases, as I said, EPs and albums. We're going to cover gigs that we went to and festivals. And we're going to cover things that are coming up next year as well. We're going to talk about our respective podcasts, in your case, your previous podcast and your upcoming podcast. And we'll talk about things that happened throughout the year in Feckin' Metal and things that are going to happen next year too. So yeah, firstly, cheers. Happy New Year and great to be back. Cheers. And if you're listening and you've got a beer, then cheers to you as well. 
<laughs> You'll be hearing some can opening sounds throughout the episode, no doubt, as is standard on feckin' metal. So I was thinking, yeah, so this is kind of a, a beast, and I have a lot of notes here to talk about talk about music mainly and various different releases and i was hoping to touch on some releases from 2023 that we didn't cover off in our series of episodes three from 23 uh, because i thought you know that might be a bit of duplication no one wants to hear me banging on again about phantom spell or whatever um so i have some notes here about albums that were released in 2023 that we haven't covered off so we'll get to that but i was thinking maybe we could take some time now to reflect on some of the gigs and festivals that we went to in 2023. What did it look like this time last year for you? What kind of things did you have coming up? What kind of gigs and festivals did you attend? About this time last year, I was eagerly looking forward to Hell's Heroes. And now I'm sitting here in the same position. It's only two months away. We already talked a lot about Hell's Heroes in one of our previous episodes. But this year's lineup is looking just as strong as ever. And I've got a lot of friends who I'm planning to meet up with there, people who I met in the last two years and some new friends as well. So it's it's not just a great concert for me. It's a good social scene. And I really relish that opportunity to see those people who I might only get to see once or twice a year. So there's that. And then there's so much more on the calendar in 2024 for me. I'll be seeing Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Blind Guardian, King Gizzard, uh, Saxon and Uriah Heap. And hey, if all the traveling plans out as planned, I'm going to visit at least seven or eight U.S. states next year. So lots of fun stuff to look forward to. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of we've we've moved into what we're looking forward to in 2024. But that's fine. There's no format. I'll throw up the fucking roll up the ball of paper and fuck it at the window. It doesn't matter. Um. So we did talk about Hell's Heroes. Oh well. <laughs> Well, I took us in the wrong direction right away. Uh, but hey, I mean, we were talking about Hell's Heroes, and then I guess I'm thinking more about the future than the past. No, well, do you know what? It's true. We did talk about Hell's Heroes 5 at some point when you were on the podcast in 2023. So that would probably be a bit of repetition to talk about that. But I've been kind of perving on the, the lineup of Hell's Heroes 6 online. I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to it, but I've been looking at it as it gets updated. So I see they've released the day um, breakdown. So it's looking fantastic. You've got some really good stuff there every day of the festival, which is now officially a three-day festival. So in the past, it's been a two-day festival with um, kind of a semi-official or an official pre-party the night before but now it's like now three solid days of music and i, I think it, it looks to me like they've kind of packed the bill slightly less busy on the three days than they did in the past or may, maybe i'm wrong about that but just looking at thursday there it is one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve bands playing so that seems like a reasonable number of bands to fit into a day of a music festival right you've got Candlemass headlining on thursday queensreich on friday and you've got the mighty Sodom on Saturday, making their first U.S. appearance in a long, long time. So, hey, that's going to be uh, can't miss for me. And there's been a little bit of debate online when the daily lineups came out, like, oh, why didn't they pack all the black metal bands in one day and then all the traditional bands in another day? But I mm. don't agree with that. I like the variety I like that each day is going to have a little something for everyone. And as much as I'm a trad metal fanboy, 
six or eight straight hours of that eh, that's a little too much i like variety sure yeah i can understand that and i mean look if it were me if they packed all the black metal bands into one day i just simply wouldn't buy a ticket for that day so uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it gives me a chance if i was at that festival to go to the bar or to go to the toilet or to get something to eat so you know it's good for for all involved uh, i'm just having a look there at thursday though Looks fantastic. Uh, Savage Oath are one of the opening bands. I think you said to me, though, that you probably might not show up uh, at at door opening time, you know, to give yourself a chance of surviving each day. Mm, I don't know. I still might try and marathon it. So we'll see. I I ended up marathoning all three days last year, but with a break or two. Yeah. Well, it's impossible not to take a couple of breaks. Like You'll find yourself, I, I've found in the past, been looking forward to a band for months and then when they come on stage at that point at that given moment in time you actually don't give a shit you're like i need to sit down i need to go and get something to eat i need to go outside for some air or something like that so i think festivals like in an idealistic world you see uh 40 band bill and you think i might watch 30 of those and then in reality you know you can't because it's just humanly impossible you're right about that man it happened to me too like i don't know a band like Halas, I might listen to and say, yeah, I, I enjoy this. I'd like seeing them live. And then the concert rolls around. I'm like, ooh, they're not getting my energy running. Uh, I'm hungry. Yeah, exactly. You have to make cuts here and there. And that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, just looking here at Thursday. So you've got Night Demon, which, you know, I know you're a fan of. You've seen before. Uh, Girls School, which is a band that has somehow evaded me my whole gig going career. And I can't understand why. I feel like I should have seen them. In fact, I think they were supposed to be booked for uh was it saxon fastway and girl school were supposed to be playing in dublin the fastway was fast eddie clark's band and i think saxon and fastway played and girl school didn't make the bill and um, but they were supposed to play so i should have seen them back in 2016 but yeah even still i'm surprised i've never seen them play have you ever seen them no i haven't and i don't think i've been aware of their touring activity until right now i mean I don't know if they have been off the road, but when they've been touring, I haven't really heard anyone talking about it. But that said, anyone who does want to see Girl School, get your tickets to see them this year because they're calling it a day pretty soon. Oh, is that right? Yeah, this is being billed as their final tour. Okay, yeah. I mean, they've been going pretty solidly, I reckon, since, I don't know, I, I always associate them with Motorhead because they had some kind of cross-pollination with Motorhead. I know they're good friends with Lemmy. I think they did the... That collaborative EP. Yeah, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, was that it? Right, and even the first two Girl School albums, if you listen to them and you're a Motorhead fan, you'll hear the Motorhead influence all over that music. Yeah, I'm just having a look here. So they've been pretty much releasing, like, you know, new music solidly. You know, they had an album in 23, 2015, 2011, 2008, 2004, 2002. There was a gap from 1992 to 2002. But even still, like, for a band of that vintage, that's a pretty solid uh, release schedule of new material. A lot of bands will just rest on their laurels and might not release anything. They were maybe one album every 10 years, like certain bands do. Yeah. And when they're releasing albums that consistently, you know that they're in it to make the music. They're in it for the art because a band at the level of girl school, they're not going to make a ton of money on their new album. They might not even get a ton of acclaim because a lot of their fans are old schoolers and they want to hear the hits. So I respect an artist that continues to build their discography even past the point of 
where they're outpacing the demand, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, fair play to them. see Hellstar are playing again I saw a bit of them the year we were there mm. back in 2022 um, that's your man Jesus I can't remember his name now he has his finger in about 15 different pies I can't remember the singer's name he's very charismatic on stage singer anyway James James uh, James Rivera yeah and he looks a little bit like a vampire with this cape <laughs> and his fangs that he wears on stage yeah, uh, he'll be playing, uh, or I should say, they Hellstar will be playing the Nosferatu album, one of several special sets that are happening at the Hell's Heroes. And Nosferatu, I think, is the best album of theirs, or it's my favorite at least. Mm. So that'll be a set worth seeing. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, uh, I think they played twice at the Hell's Heroes I was at because they had James Rivera's something or other covers band that was playing cover as band, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, and then you've got uh, Candlemas, obviously. Doro as well is playing, playing a special Warlock set. Uh, I saw her actually at Keep It True Rising 3 there last year. Very good, you know, enjoyable set. I was a bit worse for wear at that time in life, but um, I certainly did watch it. I can tell you that much. I'm looking forward to seeing Doro. Yet another band on this bill that I haven't seen yet, and there are a lot of them. So there's going to be some bucket list items crossed off this time as there usually are at Hell's Heroes. Asirith Uncle, on their last year of touring, has yeah. been uh, a late addition to the bill. Once mm. they announced that they're coming off the road, then uh, Christian Larson, the organizer of Hell's Heroes, said, I gotta book you one more time. And the, that's a gift to all of us, the fans. Yeah, and it's interesting to notice that um, on Friday, the Queensryche are headlining, and then Solitude Eternus are below them, and then Sirithungal beneath them, and Eternal Champion just underneath Sirithungal. Whereas the year, the first year we went, Sirithungal were one of the headline bands, or like, you know, were a headliner on one of the nights. So um, interesting placement on the bill there. Right. And uh, Sirithungal, they headlined before, they're still pretty high up on the bill, but. You know, let's be realistic here. Queensryche has sold millions of records. They're probably the highest selling band on this entire lineup. So I don't know if you could place them anywhere other than as a headliner. And I think you're going to see a ton of people who are getting excited to see them, especially with the news that they're playing Warning and the original EP. So very early material. 
I agree with you, but I mean, we all know that uh, Todd Latour or Todd Latore wasn't in the band when they released those albums and also d- didn't have any part to play in any of their uh, high album sales either. So, <laughs> yeah. in some people's minds, like this isn't proper Queensrike. And I mean, that's a discussion maybe that could take an hour to have, but that's fair. Well, they're still headliners and uh, they still draw ticket sales, apparently. Sure. Then, so it's just having another quick look. Yes, yeah, so you have Eternal Champion there, Omen, uh, Agent Steel. So lots of really good stuff here. Um, then you said Sodom, not a band I'm particularly interested in. I watched a couple of their songs of Keep It True, but I know they're one that you're looking forward to. Yeah, got a lot of great stuff here. Witch Hazel, which you've talked about extensively on uh, previous episodes as well. We both have. Yes, we have. They are one of our three from 33 bands. I think this is their first US show. That's something mm. to get excited about. Yeah, it is. Very good stuff. Yeah, so let's take a step back to 2023 then. And for me, 2023 was the year that I fell back in love with death metal, a subgenre that I had fallen out with for many years. I went to the Decibel Beer and Metal Festival in Philadelphia last April. Beer and metal or metal and beer? I forget which order, but they mm. had both. There is metal and there was beer. <laughs> and it was a festival. Now, that's when I found some new favorite bands like Escuela Grind, Frozen Soul, Worm, and Phobophilic, and I got to see some old favorites like The Black Dahlia Murder. Now, if you frequent the metal communities on social media, you've probably heard this sentiment brought up a lot, but 2023 was an excellent year for new releases in death metal. Legacy bands like Suffocation, Obituary, Cannibal Corpse, they were putting out strong new music. And we also got a massive wave from promising young bands like Two Mold, Horrendous, Begravement, and I could really go on and on. Okay. As you know, I don't really listen to death metal. I, I'm, it's actually saying the word really in there is, is irrelevant. Not I at don't all. listen to death metal. So while I'm aware of some of those band names, especially Obituary and Cannibal Corpse, things like that, I don't listen to it. But I appreciate the fact that you were able to reignite your love of a subgenre of heavy metal that you kind of fell out with. So that's good. Um, I know you said you're going to that festival next year as well. So I know a couple of other people have gone to that. And if I like death metal, I'd certainly go to a festival that was called Beer and Metal Festival. Why not? Um, and I know they have a lot of craft beers and stuff there as well. So it sounds like if you're into that style of music, a great couple of days out. Is it a two-day festival? It is two days. And a lot of the local brewers, they will make exclusive collaborations cans with the bands who are performing. So last year, I remember I was hanging out with Kyle from Undeath and he hooked me up with uh, one of his band's beers and it had the artwork from his most recent album and a themed name and uh, all those beers of course are quality microbreweries in the northeast US area so they're delicious but just the fact that they're coming up with these themed collaborations it makes it more fun I know a lot of metal bands do beers and then uh, they're often limited releases and if mm. you don't live in the immediate area of the brewery then you can't get it so at this beer festival you'll be able to try a lot of those all in one place and which may not be a good thing if you don't have a sense of self-control but hey you're there you're you're there at the beer fest to drink beer that sounds like a fantastic combo any particular band highlights at that festival for you oh yeah well uh the black dahlia murder 
headwind on one of the two nights and suicidal tendencies on the other night. Black Dahlia Murder is a band that's been big for me since high school. And uh, if you don't know, their singer, unfortunately, committed suicide a couple years ago. Mm, and I heard that. Yeah, it was uh, a shocker and it, everyone was very sad about it. Uh, they've gotten back on with one of their members switching from guitar to vocals. And then to fill that spot, they brought in a former guitarist. So they've kept it in the family. And instead of going out and getting someone new, and I I do appreciate that. And they still sounded really, really good. okay so that was the song what a horrible night to have a curse bit of black dahlia murder you're not going to get that too often on feckin metal but there you go um okay so that was in april 2023 any other gig highlights around the first half of last year that you remember first half okay well june falls in the first half and i distinctly remember a gig where i saw you as well hey, hey yes you did yeah. yeah yeah 2023 was my first time where I got to travel overseas and I got to tour the beautiful sites of Ireland. That's one of my highlights of last year. Sorry, it was your first time overseas at all. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Uh, only time I've been outside the U S is Canada before that. So right. it was a big deal for me and I had a ton of fun. Yeah. That was a great, great few days. Yeah. And then Iron Maiden and a gig in a foreign country was something that I didn't foresee myself doing. I'll definitely be doing it in the future. And Maiden killed it, man. Yeah, I mean, look, that was a fantastic gig. I think the anticipation was at an extremely high level, especially with the Somewhere in Time songs being played, Some in some cases for the first time ever, and other cases for the first time in a long time. And I was really looking forward to the Senjutsu songs as well, the ones we didn't get on the... Uh, Legacy of the Beast tour where they kind of yeah. shoehorned in a few songs so to me that was I, I was doing a countdown on Twitter as people who follow me on Twitter will know for a long period in advance and it, it lived up to it it lived up to the hype the the band were on fire and then the stage show was excellent and to top it all off actually the number of people who travelled over to Dublin just for that gig it was it was like a huge gathering of just some of the best people like that I know yeah we got together a great group had a really fun pregame in the bars before the show. And like you said, the band was in fine form. I was talking to someone on Twitter not too long ago, and they I asked them if they're seeing Maiden this year. Their response was, no, I saw them years ago. I want to remember them the way they were when Bruce was still sounding good. And like I said, I just saw them in June. He sounds amazing still. What are you talking about? But yeah. pe people people make these assumptions that 
uh, when you're an aging rock star that you can't still you can't perform as well as you used to. And maybe that's true in a lot of cases. Maiden has mm. been an exception to that. They are sounding well. I mean, what I won't pretend Bruce can hit the exact same notes, but he's still se- he's doing a bang up job for himself. I mean, I listen to a lot of older bands, as in bands who have been around for forty years or so, and I don't know of a singer who whose voice is still in as good a condition as Bruce Dickinson after a similar tenure after a similar kind of unbroken period of singing maybe uh, i'm trying to i know i i can't think of anyone i i don't know of anyone who's had as long an innings as bruce dickinson who sounds as good as he does and i'm with you it sounds like it sounds like i'm trying to say oh he sounds great for his age no he sounds great he happens to be 65, but he also sounds great. I don't know anyone else who sounds even nearly as good. I think Biff Byford from Saxon sounds very good, but he doesn't sound as good as Bruce Dickinson does. And he's had a similar length of innings as well, except Bruce was in Samson before he was in Iron Maiden. So I'd say they're about the same. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson sounds better than anyone else. He does. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I, I know I have like friends who aren't interested in metal and family who would ask questions, you know, I'd be going to Iron Maiden and they're like, were they any good? And they want you to say no. And they've already decided themselves that the answer is no. And you say, yeah, it was brilliant. And you can just see them kind of looking at you going, that couldn't have been that good. <laughs> and But you're saying, no, no, it really was fucking brilliant. Like it, he still has it uh, or they still have it. Yeah. You go look at live footage of Bon Jovi at, or Joe Elliott and you, there's no comparison. Yes, exactly. Joe Elliott, Still has decent set of pipes, but like he's they've they've worn over the, the over the course of time. You know they've aged. Uh, he's aged. Um, he certainly isn't able to run around the stage at all. Anything like Bruce Dickinson. Like I just I don't know anyone who sounds as good as he does for who's been in the business that period of time. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, great show, and the set list, like you said, as good as advertised. Uh, for those who aren't keeping score at home. We've now gotten seven out of the 10 Senjutsu songs played live. And for the most part, I think they've all been better live than on the record. Uh, They're playing them a little bit faster in some cases. And I think, especially with the title track, that's what it needed. Uh, The crowd, when I saw them in 2022, they were into those songs and they were getting a good reception. And so, and I think... For anyone who's not a fan of New Maiden, uh, don't let that stop you from seeing them live. You might be more impressed than you think you will be. Yeah, I mean, more than 50, even 60% of the set list is going to be songs that aren't on Senjutsu. So go for those if, if you detest the new music so much. But I would agree with you that they sound better live. I mean, a lot of the album, I think, sounded good anyway. Um, but I'll give you an example of t- The Time Machine, which isn't one of my favorite songs, but I did enjoy it more live. And Death of the Celts certainly was not one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs of the last 20 years. It was on the bottom end of that list. But I thought that actually, it kind of kicked in with me, like seeing it the second time live. Um, but it was way better because you're you're in that kind of environment where the notes are being played right directly at your face. And... <laughs> <laughs> when you're actually looking at the band, when you're looking at the band, and you're looking at Steve Harris playing that bass intro, and he's looking at you, he basically is. Um, it's it's a different 
scenario to having your headphones on, sitting at home, kind of scrolling through the lyrics or kind of judging the album on the first few listens. The whole arena is echoing with the sound of those songs. And it's it's an entirely different experience to Keyboard Warrior kind of dismissing it as a long intro post-2000s maiden kind of throwaway track. It's not. It really isn't. And I had dismissed it as that as well. But it's kind of sounds like a cliche, but when you see it perform live, when you hear it perform live, when you witness it and it's in an arena, it's that's a, a flattering environment. In fairness, it, it's a whole lot better and it's an entirely different experience. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, it's a very different feel in an arena, especially if you're on the ground level. Uh, as the kids say, it hits different. <laughs> it did hit different. I always think surely it should be differently. Does nobody use adverbs anymore? I don't know. So you saw Iron Maiden in Dublin in 2023 in June. And what about the rest of the year? Did you have any gig highlights that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. So I got to see Metallica live for the first time. Oh, yes. And yes, not only for the first time, also the second time. Mm. I went to both nights of their two-night stand in the New York area. And I loved it. Uh, If any of you want to see Metallica on this tour, then you damn well better go to both dates because then you'll get to hear all the songs. And if you only go to one of them, I think you're going to feel a little bit left out because they didn't just play all the hits one night and all the deep cuts on the other night. There was a mix of both. Mm. So yep, uh, people have lots of criticism of Metallica's live performance. They say it's sloppier than it used to be. Uh, I'm not sure I'm musically trained enough and not sure I have enough of a discerning ear to comment on that. I thought they sounded really good. And if you think Iron Maiden hits great in an arena packed with 15 to 20,000 people, you know, you just think about how amazing Metallica sounds in a football stadium uh, sold out full of 80,000 people. So how is it that you'd never seen Metallica before? I mean, look, I'm not the world's biggest Metallica fan, far from it, but even I've seen them twice before 2023. Uh, You know, uh, expensive tickets and scheduling conflicts, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. But this time, you know, uh, I made it happen and it was worth the wait. Uh, I, I I didn't get the cheap seats, I will say that. But, I know you didn't. I think you told no. me. Uh, uh, well, not, you didn't tell me how much they cost, but you told me that they cost a considerable wedge of cash. Oh yeah. Well, Metallica in GA will do that. Honestly, I I, I wouldn't 
do it again. That's like a one-time thing because of how much it cost. Mm. But I don't regret it at all. That was awesome seeing Metallica from GA only a few feet away from me. So, I mean, the premise of the tour, for anybody who doesn't know, was that they were playing two nights in the same city. Were they consecutive nights or was there a gap in between? Uh, day in between. They did Friday and Sunday. Okay, so they're playing there two nights with a gap in between of a day. But on each night, they play an entirely different set list. Now, would you be the type of Metallica fan who you could go to a gig and they could play any song and you would immediately know what the song is? Or would you be kind of a tier below that? Or where would you stand with their discography? I would know any song from the first five. And I would probably know most of them from the rest of the albums. Uh, Not St. Anger. I don't listen to that, but Mm. they don't really play much from that anyway. Yeah. They did when I saw them, actually. They played, uh, fuck, I can't remember what it was called. I saw them in 2022 in Copenhagen, and they whipped out a Dirty Window. Is that the name of one of their songs? Oh, yeah, that's one of them. And they actually, yeah. they played that once on this tour. So, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, they're, they're not opposed to that album. I think the fans are more opposed to it than the band is. Yeah, well, they whipped out. I certainly didn't know it at the time, but. I was reviewing the set list afterwards. I was like, huh, that's what that was when I was taking a piss. But yes, no, look. Uh, yeah, you got a real rarity there. It's, I mean, to me, like, you know, if a band that I really loved and Metallica aren't in that bracket, but if a band that I really loved and was really, really familiar with their discography did a two night stint where they did an entirely different set list, I'd be all over it. So I can understand the excitement for those shows from uh, proper, like, serious Metallica fans. Um, all right, so very good. And then that's not the end of your gig year, though, as far as I know. Didn't you meet my friend Damien at a gig at some point, you and Melissa, or was that in 2022? Oh, yeah. And- uh, yeah. One more that I almost forgot. I saw Seareth Ungle and Night Demon and yes. Sam Hedren play in a little club in Manhattan. And I did meet Damien, and we talked about that Riot documentary that he's got coming out, which I'm well, looking forward to that, too. Well, it's out now <laughs> as we talk. It's but, finally uh, out. It, last yeah. time I looked it up, it wasn't online yet. So it's out now. So the first part of it was out as we speak today. It's the 13th of January on Saturday. But uh, the first part was out last Saturday, the 6th. And the second part is actually airing. Oh, no, it's, it's aired now. It was uh, debuting at 8 p.m. Uh, my time. So one blah, 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 3 p.m. your time um, today. So, yeah, it's uh, each Saturday in January until um, the end of January. So there's four installments each of the four Saturdays of January. All right. Hey, that's a nice reminder of that past episode for your fans right now. Time to go watch the Riot documentary after you finish listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've seen like various uh, versions of it, drafts of it. Um, but even today, I started watching episode one at Damien's encouragement. He was like, no, there's so much has changed even since you last saw it. I was like, all right, okay. So I went back and I started watching it again, but it's brilliant. He just, like, he's he's altered it in so many ways. There were small little pieces from a, a Night Demon podcast, for example, recently, where they were talking about Riot. And um, I mentioned it to him and he listened to it. He was like, Jesus, some of this would be really good to, to add into the documentary. So he added in clips from that. And then, like, there's various parts where, like, uh, Ollie from Keep It True is talking about various bands, you know, and he puts a little clip of them on the screen or he puts their logo on the screen and just a small little attention to detail. Like it really, really improves the entire thing. So he was tweaking that for well over a year. So um, it's you can clearly see it in the finished product. Like there's so much effort put into it and so much editing put into it as well. I can only imagine the fucking endless hours he's put into that, like editing. Yeah, it's a labor of love for sure. And I... I can't say much about it now because I haven't seen it yet, but 
Damien was a cool guy when I met him, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that documentary. Riot's a great band, and they deserve that kind of attention. So here's their here's a shout out, and that's another band that I think is so they're gearing up to release a new album in 2024. So yeah, uh, one they more, are one more thing to look forward to. So they're releasing the album Main Streets in April 2024. It was supposed to be February, but it's been pushed out to April. And they have released a song called High Noon from that, which is pretty good, I think. Um, There might have been another single released. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, it's the first Riot album since 2018. So it's been quite a long time since the last one. So yeah, looking forward to that myself. Or Riot 5, you know, but they're kind of gradually dropping that. V or five from their name over the years until it's almost non-existent. Whatever they want to call themselves, uh, I'll be listening. Virgil, where are we going next? Right. So yeah, it's just I'm just gonna go through some of the kind of gig highlights for me from 2023. So um, I saw uh, Saxon playing in March of 2023. Saw them twice. They played in Dublin on the third of March, and there was a good group of people at that. I was actually running a Saxon competition in conjunction with the podcast, mainly just in conjunction with my Twitter and Facebook accounts. So, where the promoter of the gig, MCD, contacted me and offered a couple of pairs of tickets to give away in a draw. So that was great to be able to do that. Um, by chance, some of my friends won them, but um, the only people who entered the competition were my friends anyway. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's hopefully. fine because then you get to go with your friends. But I did a legitimate draw and I did it live and I recorded it and I posted it online and I had legitimately every single name in the cup that I drew from. So anyway, there you go. So Saxon were fantastic. Saw them on the 3rd of March in Dublin and saw them again in Belfast the following night. Did a double header, stayed up in Belfast for a couple of nights. Again, a huge crew went up to Belfast. So it was just one of those huge kind of let's go on the train to Belfast and get pissed and watch Saxon kind of trips. And it was brilliant. Yeah, that was a huge highlight of, of 2023 for me. Uh, later that month, I saw Wasp playing in Dublin in the National Stadium. Uh, they were really good, kind of way better than I expected. As there has been in the last few years, there was a bit of back and tapes going on with Blackie Lawless, but really not too much, I'll say, because I have a very keen eye and a keen ear for that. And I was standing right up the front as well. So you could see on some of the choruses that he was getting a bit of assistance and in the year since he's come out and admitted that he does do that, I mean, I don't know how he could deny it, really, because video footage filmed in HD at a gig doesn't lie, you know, in 2023 or 2024. But um, he has admitted that he does do it. But there's clearly like another 80 percent of the show where he's singing live. And there's there's a distinction between those two, because when he's singing, maybe the the. Uh, chorus to Murders in the New Morgue or something like that, or Chainsaw Charlie or whatever. Um, He's uh, clearly getting a bit of assistance there. And previous when I saw him a few years ago when he was singing Hold On To My Heart, he was singing those verses like he was nailing them. And it was evident that it was a nuanced live vocal performance. But then when the big kind of sweeping chorus came in, he had, you know, backing tapes. And I was kind of wishing that he didn't. I'd love to hear a kind of a older, cracked voiced Blackie Lawless trying to sing along to Hold On To My Heart and failing more so than I'd like to hear a fucking studio pristine copy of what was released in 1992. But anyway, I can understand the, I don't know, trepidation that people of his age have about being able to deliver what's expected. But I, I think if he did a bit quick survey in the room, I think more people would rather hear what he was able to do rather than what the studio was able to do 30 years ago. Yeah, I think I'm with you. A real performance always beats an enhanced performance because 
there's something about the raw realness you just appreciate. And I say that knowing full well that a lot of bands I like, they do embellish uh, when they play live and nothing is ever truly 100% real. There's always a little bit of assistance with mm. a lot of bands, but uh, it, you know, the bulk of it has to be real. And it, it has to be so that if there's assistance, you don't notice it. You want it to be as real as possible. Yeah, exactly. And look, I mean, he's still doing most of it real, I'd say. And he's also about 65 himself. So, you know, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, you have to give these people a break, I think, at some point as well. Um, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, they were great to see life. It was fantastic to see them. And if they came back, I'd go and see them again. Uh, later on that month, I went to see Keep It True, the first actual regular Keep It True festival I've been to. So previously, I'd been to the Keep It True Rising Festival. This one had been delayed since 2020. So it was originally announced in 2019 to take place in 2020 was postponed due to COVID, postponed again in 2021 due to COVID, and strangely enough, postponed again in 2022 due, due to COVID, even though they'd had a Keep It True rising in uh, November 2021. But the restrictions came back in Germany uh, just directly after that festival, actually. So they had to postpone it three times, um, and eventually it happened. It was a three-day festival, so... Um, it was great to be able to see Sirathungal, uh, Visigoth, which I hadn't seen in uh, three years. Um, lots of other good bands at that. Uh, Jeff Tate did a set. He did two Queensryche albums in full. Um, there was a lot of kind of underground bands. I saw Sanhedrin at that as well. I saw Smolder, several bands. And I also kind of passed out for a good chunk of one of the days and fell asleep on the bleachers. But, you know, that's <laughs> part and parcel of a three-day festival as well uh, for me. And I missed uh, a few bands I really wanted to see, like Messiah Force and Slaufeg. But you can't win them all. So, um, yeah, I, I tried to learn from these mistakes. I don't always, but that's the way it goes. That's why you make mistakes. So that you can learn things. If we didn't make mistakes, we'd all just go through life doing the same thing forever and ever. And until someone told us we were doing it wrong. Mm, that's true. Although when you make the mistakes and then you keep making the same ones again and again, what's uh, what's the lesson there? I'm not quite sure. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> well, in any case, you made it to what sounds like another really awesome set of gigs in 2023. Oh, what else? Doesn't sound like you're done there. Yeah, so I've got a Wednesday uh, Night Demon in May. They played in Dublin. Another fantastic gig. Got to meet some nice people at that one who I kind of met again at future gigs. Uh, Brian Downey's Alive and Dangerous. Saw them in Dublin. That's Brian Downey from Tin Lizzy playing with his kind of semi-Tin Lizzy tribute band. And they actually played again at Keep It True Rising in October. And then obviously Iron Maiden in June. Kind of talked about that at length on Feckin' Metal already, but saw them three times in June. Met up with a lot of people over the various gigs. A lot of people travelled abroad for those. And yeah, towards the end of the year then got to Keep It True Rising 3 in Germany. And as always... It was an excellent festival, and some of the bands who played at that I'm going to be talking about on my highlights of 2023 as well. But it was brilliant to be able to see Kyle McNeil's uh, Phantom Spell side project, their first ever gig. I was down the front for that, and they were more powerful on a live stage than they are even on the album, which is saying something because those albums jump out of the speakers or out of your headphones. Um, it was also brilliant to be able to see Tailgunner. I saw them again later on in Edinburgh. A couple of weeks later, Tailgunner, one of those bands that kind of popped up out of nowhere. I interviewed Tom Houston, the bass player and founding member in 2023 on Feckin' Metal. And they're kind of just one of those bands that were like all over the media. Um, 
you know, everyone was talking about them. That album was was huge. Guns were higher. So great to be able to see them a couple of times. So 2023 was a, it was a fantastic year for gigs, fantastic year for new releases. And I don't know, it'll be hard to top. Um, although next year is looking pretty good as well, but we'll get to that a little later. Wow. That's a great set of gigs. And did you mention uh, this Michael Shanker as well in there? No, sorry. I forgot to mention Michael Shanker. Uh, that was brilliant as well. I remember that one. That was one of the more recent ones, right? Yeah, that was fantastic. That was delayed by a couple of days due to um, unrest in Dublin city centre the night it was supposed to happen. But uh, One more legend you got to see in 2023, man. Yeah, well, it was, it was fantastic to be able to hear and see uh, Dr. Doctor performed by the original guitarist and, you know, to hear it in a in a live gig setting where it wasn't just the intro taped Iron Maiden, but actually being played as a live song by a band. That was brilliant and it was a real kind of goosebumps hair standing up in your arm moment and they were also supported by night demon as well so great to see them as well again but um yeah the set was filled like i'd say 50 percent with ufo songs um the other 50 percent with the original msg songs the original Shanker group songs well not quite they played a couple of newer songs as well and um, but it was actually robin mccauley who was in the Macaulay Shanker group, who was the singer. But funnily enough, even though they recorded at least three full albums with the Macaulay Shanker group, they didn't do any Macaulay Shanker group songs. So there you go. But <laughs> they kind of stuck to the hits, I reckon. It seems to be the same set list he's been playing for about 20 years. So he knows what the crowd want and he just plays it and that's it. And he throws in one or two songs from his last couple of albums and that's kind of it. But it was brilliant to see him live and he's still a fantastic guitarist. Jesus Christ. It's kind of mesmerizing just watching his his fingers and his hands. Um, so yeah, he was excellent. I forgot to mention, sorry, I did see Tailgunner twice, but uh, I saw Oath or Oath SC. Uh, playing their second ever gig, a band I've been following for years online. That's a feckin' metal classic artist, man. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I've had Stephen on the, uh, the podcast a couple of times. Huge supporter of him and Oath, and I was dying for them to be able to do a live gig, so it was brilliant to see them supporting Tailgunner. I was right up the very front of the stage for that. I actually dipped back a bit for Tailgunner because kind of I expended most of my energy being up there for Oath, but um. Yeah, it, that was brilliant as well. Uh, so there was so much shit last year. Like, there's there's other stuff I'm not even mentioning. But um, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I think 2022 and 2023 for me were years where I was like, fuck it. We, you know, we've been kept inside for two years now. Let's go and do everything that we wanted to do and we didn't get to do in the last couple of years. I'll probably take it a bit easier in 2024. Um, but yeah, lots of stuff going on last year. I'm going even harder in 2024 than I did in 2023. I'm going to so many gigs. And like you said, uh, I don't take that stuff for granted anymore now that we've lived through COVID and we've seen this is something that could be taken away from us without any warning. And uh, also, you never know if a band is going to call it quits. So you don't want to wait to see a band until the next time they're in town. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. You got to go and you got to make memories and carry those memories with you in life because that's uh, the memory sticks around longer than the actual four hours of the gig. But if you don't go, then you get nothing. The memory remains, you might say. It does. <laughs> but yeah, they could, they could call it quits for a number of reasons. They could call it quits because they're old and they're finished, like Sarah Dungle are doing. Or they could call it quits because they're young and they never made any money and they're sick of not making any money and they want to do something else. And we've seen cases of both, I'd say, throughout this year and the last year. Probably 
quite a number of cases, actually. I've, I've seen a number of younger and older bands just kind of thrown in the towel. So, yeah, enjoy these bands while you can, wherever they might be from or whatever they are doing. All right, so that was part one of what will be a multi-part episode where I chat with George Solano about reflections on the year 2023. In this installment, we covered off gigs and festivals from 2023 and a little peek at what we're looking forward to in 2024. There'll be more of that to come. We're going to focus on releases from 2023 that we really enjoyed. As I said earlier in the episode, ones that we didn't focus on on our previous episodes we released last year. So that's all to come. Uh, as I said, if you want to contact George, it's at Risky Georgeness on Twitter. He has a new podcast coming your way. Keep an eye out for it. It's going to be called Metal Planet. He has some really interesting plans for that one. He hasn't really shared them too broadly, so I won't spoil it yet. But Metal Planet is coming your way soon. Take a look on Twitter and keep up with all the news about that. I'd also like to mention here about my friend Damien Collodi's Riot documentary, Immortal Soul, a Riot tribute and concert film. That That is available now on YouTube. So part one was launched on Saturday, the first Saturday in January, which was Saturday the 6th. Part two has been up since Saturday the 13th of January. It's an excellent documentary. There's two more parts to come. Part three, which will be released on the 20th, and part four, which will be released on the 27th. Keep an eye out for that. If deep dives into bands and behind-the-scenes footage and interviews and early archival concert footage are your thing, and if you like stories about underdogs and, you know, bands that should have really broke through but didn't for various reasons this story is for you so keep an eye out for that immortal soul a riot tribute and concert film regarding what's coming after these episodes with george i did interview neil k the dj who famously got iron maiden's demo tape played in his heavy metal sound house also known as the bandwagon back in the late 70s he was integral to the early success of iron maiden in fact the iron maiden demo that was released before they released any studio albums was called the Soundhouse tapes which referenced the name of the night that he used to put on in the bandwagon and yes that's going to come your way soon it's going to be a multi-part one as well i'd say it'll be in three parts the man knows how to talk i will tell you that much he's also kind of hard to keep under control uh, but you know i I've spoken to people like that before and after a while you can kind of get a bit of structure on the interview on the conversation and I think maybe I did at one point manage to kind of rein him in a small bit and try to guide him in a particular direction because of course I was more interested in his links with Iron Maiden than some of the other things that he may have wanted to talk about tangentially and he does talk about some of those things as well but I did try and steer him back towards the story of Iron Maiden which I think is what most people listening would be interested in hearing so they're coming your way more episodes with George coming your way that's going to do it for this episode of Feckin' Metal I've been your host Fergal Trainer. I'm going to play us out with the Magnum song I mentioned earlier Just Like an Arrow which is from On a Storyteller's Night released in 1985 I will see you next time
Don't get it. 